Hey everybody, it's Michael and the Bear. I'm Michael. And I'm JJ the Bear. The Bear. We're here to talk which, about cryptocurrency and some other things too. Which if you were thinking sexually, I'd probably be more the bear than JJ because I'm big and hairy and JJ's not. So, But this is crypto, so it throws everything in whack. I'm just, I'm just uh, huggable and cute. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Like a, like a teddy, like a teddy bear. That's not, so, um, <laughs> we don't really have the t- t- teddy bears of cryptocurrency aren't really a thing. The care no. bear, the care bears of crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Care bears of crypto. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, like to talk about crypto on a slightly deeper, more philosophical level. Um, and we are aware from one of our listeners that sometimes people who aren't in crypto don't know what we're talking about. So we're going to try to be more proactive about explaining stuff that JJ and I take for granted. So if there's something you don't know, reach out to us. We're on Facebook, uh, Michael and the Bear. We are on Twitter at MNTheB. And uh, we're on Podbean. We're all over the place. Just search Michael and the Bear and you can find us. So uh, you want to get started? Let's get started. What are we talking about first? What's going on? We've got... Uh, uh, you. You didn't want to talk about ETS, but then we said we were going to talk about ETF. So right. why don't you get one of you uh, okay. put on that road? So uh, since the last episode, um, let's see. So the last time, last time we got together for an episode, I think it was your 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 knee that was aching or twitching or <laughs> yeah. something, and, yeah. and that meant that Bitcoin was going to go up, um, which is yeah. which is actually a pretty good indicator, um, as far as I'm concerned, because I think things like uh, the rumors of an ETF announcement or, you know, a rumor of, uh, of a CEO and his money or a rumor of the SEC and, and of, of something they're going to disclose. I think all that is really kind of stupid um, in a market like this. And 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 so, OK, so let me explain. So over the weekend, there's there was a lot of see, it's already Wednesday. So for the last several days, people have been talking about this ETF. Um, and uh, what, what does that stand for? Uh, electronically? No. And uh, exchange traded fund. So that's um, that's basically it's 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 like an index fund. Right. Is that what it, an ETF is? It's um, OK. Yeah. Um, as far as I understand, it, it's like an index fund for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and it's supposed to be open to to uh, retail investors. And I'm assuming this is in the U.S., although I don't, you know, the U.S. is is in the center of a lot of cryptocurrency regulation for some reason. And I always I, I understand that that the U.S. is a big market and everything, but we're not the center of the world. And correct. We are not, We're the, not center the center of the world. Of the world. Although I suppose if if there were some big regulations in the U.S., it would affect the it would affect cryptocurrency globally. Sure. Okay. So so um so there may be an announcement 
of uh, an exchange traded fund, something that is accessible to retail investors. So if you're just a normal normal person with some money, you can buy uh, an index fund of cryptocurrencies. Now we don't know we don't know if that's true. We don't know anything about that. In fact, I don't. I every time I hear about this, every time I'm watching a YouTube video or if I'm reading something in the news, no one really cites where this is coming from. I, is it Coinbase? I don't even know. Honestly, I really, I really don't. I'll, I've just heard the word ETF, and the more I hear it, I think the more that that not really news. Uh, we've had announcements like this in the past, and they've done nothing for us. I mean, if anything, it's just speculation. It's people kind of get excited and they place more bets on whether the price is going to go up and down, up or down. But um, yeah, like I said, it's basically at this point, just a meme. And, and I'm already tired of talking about it. I mean, the, so last year round, a little bit earlier in the year, it was the Winklevoss twins with Gemini trying to get an ETF and that spiked the market a little bit and that ended up not getting approved. Um, people thought because the first deadline is coming up in August, I think that potentially we could go to the moon after August. But uh, what the SEC is pretty known for is using all of their extensions and they have three three extensions. So it's like end of February, early March, something like that. So it's if it's going to happen, it's going to probably most likely not going to be till next year. Um, but there's a good chance that it won't, just won't happen again. You know, it, it might not, it's might still be too fresh, too new. Um, and they may not, SEC may not want to do it right now. And that's fine. It's like, I think right now people are just excited again because we've been down for a little bit and they just, they're kind of chomping at the bit for any reason to kind of push and, and, you know, the bulls to, to get let loose. Um, and I think it's good. I think it's good to stretch the legs a little bit, run it out. I, you know, this is definitely, I'm not going to say definitely because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. This is most likely probably just a push just to test things and we'll get a pullback again. And then, you know, we'll figure things out and see, and you know, see where things are. Um, that historically people who are, are good at uh, reading the history of cryptocurrency have noticed that every time after a bull market, there is a, a sizable spike and then a pullback and then it goes to the moon. So this seems to be, if, if, if we're going to repeat history, which necessarily it's, which not, is not a bad thing. This could be that, that, you know, slight pump and then we'll get the pullback and then the moon. Yeah. You know, I, fingers crossed. That'd be great. I'd love to. I think love that, to pay off some bills by I the end of the year because I'm are as hell one right of now. these people who gets excited about the idea of this ETF maybe pushing things in the direction that you like. Just keep in mind that that is confirmation bias. That is that is that is all of us sort of getting excited over something that could be true, and and we've been disappointed in the past. So there's only one thing that's going to bring up the 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 price of Bitcoin, and that's more people buying Bitcoin. Either that or more people losing Bitcoin. It's one or the other, yeah. but m more likely it's going to be pe people buying it. And, yeah. and if an ETF brings more people in to buy it, then that's yeah. great. But at this point, it's just people who are excited because they already own Bitcoin buying more because they think it's going to be worth more. That's it. So cool. Yeah. And that's fine for right now. You know, we don't, it's like, let's, I don't want to look too far down the road about why people are getting it. If people are getting it, people are getting it. And that's, that's always a good thing. Um, but just always, you know, be prepared, keep, just keep some stop losses in place. Um, make sure that if, if there's, if there's a pullback, you don't lose all your, all your profits. So you know, take some profits or 
have solid stop losses in place. Um, so that way you can save your profits, which I learned to, you know, the hard way last winter, which a lot of people did. So, so far so good with the uh, paid group, but we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll give you guys more information a couple of, a couple months down the road and see how it works out. Um, and you wanted to link no, in I didn't want to link, BitMEX, in, right? link them in, but um, uh, I did read that <laughs> BitMEX has now hit like some record volume of, of for Bitcoin. Bitcoin trading. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, I have, I have no idea. I, I don't do enough. I don't do any trading on BitMEX really, but okay, let, let me, let, let me talk about BitMEX. So BitMEX is, is, yeah. BitMEX is very interesting. It is a, it is, it is, it stands for the Bitcoin Mercantile Exchange created by this guy, Arthur Hayes. And it is, it is a place where you can um, you can trade Bitcoin on leverage, or you can mar- margin trade Bitcoin, and you can margin trade up to a hundred times the amount that you're trading with. So what that means is that you can borrow money, you can borrow Bitcoin from 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 lenders on the platform, and you can you can you can you can borrow Bitcoin from lenders on the platform. And, and then you, that, then that's, that's Bitcoin that you have to, they have to pay back to those lenders, but, um, but you use that so that, so that you can, you can trade smaller amounts, but, but have more leveraged. So what I'm saying is, uh, is how do I explain this? You're, you're, it's, it's margin trading. It's, it's what most right. people lost so their asses the, on. It allows you to borrow money so that you can make, make bigger trades with smaller amounts of money. Does that make sense? Um. I know that I know that I I can explain this in a much better way, but I'm not getting it yeah. very good right now. So, I'd I'd say if you're interested in learning more about BitMix, then uh, just Google search. Yeah, it, mar- um, margin trading margin really trading. becomes like give you a, really a valuable if you're trading like foreign currencies because they don't they're not as volatile. So you need that extra leverage in order to make money out of like a small swing in 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 foreign exchange. Um, so, so yeah. And so margin trading, margin trading is good when you're shorting because you're like, well, you're just betting, like say I would you're betting a hundred I mean, bucks. Margin like trading is amazing because you're able to, to, to do one. things with less money, but it's also extremely risky because you are at risk of losing, yeah. you know, 10, 25, a hundred times in the case of BitMEX, which a hundred, hundred X leverage is it's really insane. I don't even know why they have it because I would think you'd get liquidated immediately. But, um, but so, so, and then the other thing about BitMEX is yes, you can short Bitcoin, which means that you can actually borrow Bitcoin to sell, to rebuy in lower. Essentially that's what you're doing when you're shorting Bitcoin, but you make money off the difference. So the fact that the volume, uh, the volume at BitMEX is now at a record high, means that we have more margin traders than ever before trading Bitcoin. And they're also trading Cardano and Ripple and Tron and whatever other coins they have up there. Well, that says something about who's in cryptocurrency right now. And, and we've talked about it before on the show where most of the, most, of the, the, most of the participants in cryptocurrency are traders. And they are people who are kind of feeding off this speculation buffet, yeah. if you will. 
And that's why, you know, like, like I said, like people are just chomping at the bit, looking for any kind of reason to get going because, you know, they want to make money. They want to, they want, they like volatility. They like, um, quick trades, you know, day traders want quick trades going like, you know, being flat, going sideways, they call it, you know, like, so Bitcoin's been going sideways for the last couple of months, which is like very small up and downs. Um, that like day traders don't necessarily like that because it's harder to make money versus uh, bigger swings, more consistent swings. You can make quicker profits and, you know, so like the, it, most people, that's not what they're doing. Most people are just putting in their money and they're treating it like a 401k or, or a goal, uh, investment in gold as JJ. It's really would, the difference between or, investing and trading. You know, is, you know, bury it in their backyard. The traders usually have, a, have, they have an exit strategy and investors are more like thinking, well, when the trend starts to go the other direction, that's when I'll sell. I mean, that's basically what swing traders and investors do is, you know, they'll use, yeah. they, if they use any technical analysis, it'll be lagging indicators like moving averages and things like that. When, Day traders are going to be using candlestick analysis. They're going to be possibly using Elliott waves or, you know, stuff that can be down to the five or 10 or 15 minute charts. And, um, and so, I mean, but, uh, yeah. So getting back to BitMEX, BitMEX is, it's been around for a few years, but now we're seeing it become just this massive exchange. And the other unique thing about about BitMEX is they don't actually trade Bitcoin. They trade futures on Bitcoin. They trade a certain, um, they call it XBT. It's a, it's a future. So uh, how, how would you explain futures to, to somebody who's never traded futures? F- futures. Okay. I, I can do this. So, so, so basically if you buy futures in something, that just means Dear you're God. betting whether it's going to be good or not. So, uh, you know, uh, buying futures in in oil means you're 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 betting that uh, oil is going to go up in value. If you or or you know you can short futures or um, I often I often like well yeah yeah futures. It's just betting basically. That's that's what it is. Uh, I mean, it's a way it's a way of paper trading without actually trading an <laughs> asset. That's a better way to put it. So you know on on. So the danger, the danger of futures is that's more or less um, com- compounding future. I'm, I'm not the exact. I'm not sure the exact term. Watch the Big Short, and they go into an explanation on it where futures is pretty much what decimated the market in 2007, 2008. Because, like, say JJ and I would would uh, bet on something, and then somebody else watching our bet would would bet on the outcome of our bet. And then somebody, so one bet could actually have a ripple effect 14 rows down and cost like a bet for a million dollars between me and JJ so, could actually be worth, you know, $5 billion so, um, after you all can the trade futures on anything that's that you what want. You can trade futures on whether so-and-so is going to be the next biggest YouTube star or whatever. Um, but it's really just a fancy way of saying a bet. And if you bet against somebody, then two other people can trade futures on that bet. Exactly. Like uh, Michael was saying in the Big Short, I think they did a little skit about it. But um, so that's what Bitmex is doing, and yeah, and and so there's the danger of that domino effect. There's also the danger of you're not actually exchanging an asset; you're exchanging a digital piece of paper that says you owe, owe this. Yeah. 
you're literally just gambling. Yeah, you don't own anything. You're just you're just a, you're literally same, just two yeah. people placing a bet. So it's kind of like what Augur's doing right now. And the danger of Augur, if anybody's been keeping up with Augur, Augur's like a betting platform. Um, it's kind of like a futures platform, but for the world. So people were worried about um, assassination futures. So people are already putting up will. Um, Donald Trump be assassinated next year? Will he live? Will he make it to the end of his presidency? And people, and this concerns people. Like, like will Warren Buffett know that. Ki- die this yeah, year or next year? That year this after? entire time, because people are worried. Like, yeah, and so the fear of is yeah, is if like somebody a, like a places right a million dollar bet on it not happening, somebody. On it not happening, somebody could put down a million dollars and then go assassinate the person and collect on that. Now, granted, it's very hard to commit. I mean, it's not hard actually. The, yeah. the vast majority no, that, of murders that, aren't aren't. There, there are um, other implications to that, country, though. I mean, uh, when I first heard about Augur, but, it just sounded like a speculation platform, and I was thinking, oh, they're trying to make the stock market again in cryptocurrency. But man, if people are betting on whatever the hell they want, that's pretty frightening. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the um, people, more experienced people than us were saying, well, somebody would bet against it. It would be a wash and then people would protect against it from not happening. So it would be a wash and the mark would actually correct itself. But the idea, so I'm a free market socialist, meaning I believe that the government should take care of social services like school, healthcare, um, water, electricity, the, you know, the basic means of existence in our country. Um, internet is one now because it's people are so reliant on, on getting jobs with the internet. Um, just the basic, basic things that we need to be successful as a country. Housing is another one. Uh, like, you know, people not having a house really devastates their lives. And the simple act of giving somebody a home, a place to live, increases their chance of success like tenfold or something. So just these basic things to make our country stronger and more competitive long-term, I believe the government should be uh, investing in those things for us. But when it comes to the free market, you know, let it all hang out there. Because the thing about the free market is they're like, oh, it'll correct itself. But when you're talking about someone's life, I don't want the free market to correct itself in two years and have, you know, 7 million people be out of a job because it took that long for the free market to correct itself. So that's my fear when they say, oh, the market will correct itself on stuff like betting on some, on whether somebody's going to be assassinated or not. I'm like, I don't want the market to correct itself. I want that not to be an issue. Like I don't, I don't want that to be on a public platform that people are going on all the time and seeing that on a daily basis and kind of normalizing that, whether we should bet on whether somebody gets assassinated or not. As much as I hate vehemently Donald Trump, I do not want anybody to be assassinated ever. You know, And so I, I, I don't think we should normalize talking about that. I don't think we should joke about stuff like that. You know, and, and I, I was raised by, by a single hippie mom. And one time when I was a little kid, uh, I pulled out a fake gun and said, I'm going to kill you. And she came out and she screamed at me in front of all my friends. She's like, you don't ever joke around about killing somebody ever. You just don't do it. Cause it's like, there's certain, there's certain lines we don't cross as human beings. And I feel that's one of them. Now that was instilled in me. And I don't think we should joke around about it 
because the chances are of it are so slim. It's just, you know, it's uh, like, unfortunately it's pretty normal. I don't, I don't want, I don't, don't want to normalize that. So sorry, everything in the media over. and not just that, not just the media, but thousands of years of people playing around with about, you know, yeah. murder has been a joke for a long time, unfortunately, but it's, uh, I, I kind of wish that it wasn't part of human nature too. Yeah. Or I don't, don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, but I think, I think that as a society, we have to slowly move away from it. And I think we have for the most part, like we don't, you know, we're fighting against public execution. I think as a country, we're grappling with that right now with the death penalty. And I, I think that's good. And so, yeah, so I think that cryptocurrency is going to be one of so, those next so, uh, phases where we're going to have to grab yeah, like the, the opposite it's going of to open normalizing up new people is like what making something taboo condemning something. Okay. I just want to, I want to understand that because it's one thing it's especially in cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. There is kind of a lot of stuff. There are a lot yeah. of issues that come up that are, that are kind of taboo. Um, you know, like privacy. It's one of those things that we don't talk about because it's private and, you know, our private lives are, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's, it's uh and it's something particularly not only, not just American, but because I'm American, I know it really well um, that, uh, and yeah, or money is kind of a taboo subject in general, other than saying I want a lot of it, like talking about how much money you have is a taboo thing. And yeah, yeah, and Bitcoin, it's it's taboo to talk about how much money I lost in this in the crash. And people are afraid. People are afraid to admit they made a mistake. And and my whole thing is, well, I want to learn, and if I can help other people learn from my mistakes, then why not? Because like, not talking about the mistake isn't going to make it go away, but talking about it could actually help me not make it again. And so that's why I believe in like kind of airing that stuff out, because um, I don't want it. I don't want it to be taboo to I, I, like somehow we've gotten to a point especially politically where it's it's taboo to admit you made a mistake and human beings are all about making mistakes and learning from them but if we never admit we made the mistake that that implies that you think you're perfect and that implies right. you think you're like some kind of so, god and like human so, you know, um, yeah just realistic. bringing it back to cryptocurrency about <laughs> Uh, I know you got a lot of taboo things you want to talk about, Michael. <laughs> I just meant that I was just wanted to say that, that that Bitcoin kind of breaks down those 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 boundaries because it exposes it exposes finance in a lot of ways. It exposes it exposes what exactly. you've got in your wallet and it exposes how terrible the banks are and it and exposes all of this these things that we don't talk about because either they've been taboo and that's the way we've understood them for a long time or you know, it exposes them because of, of its, of its nature. And it's exposing bad banks, but it's also exposing good banks of like good community banks who have been playing by the rules and doing right by their community for so long and kind of getting thrown under the bus with the, with the big banks. Cause the big banks are so scummy. Yeah. I mean, it depends I mean, on, I mean that, that, I don't know. I could argue against that. I mean, the, the, the idea of a bank being good, <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, yeah, we, I grew up in a world where banks did good things also. It, 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 it kind of bugs me because. I'm not talking about banks. I'm talking about credit unions. Credit unions have, have right. specific so laws in place I, that are for the community and you, and you can only so invest I don't, locally. I don't in the like the idea of putting my money in, in an, 
in a system that is going to invest that money and give me and not give me um, any sort of dividend on that. That just I, I'm I'm not I'm against that. Whether it, whether it's a credit union that does that, and most of them don't, um, or it's a bank. So, well, that's what interest interest on your money is. It's guaranteed interest. So even if they lose, even if they lose the gamble, like say so, so say you and I start up a a business, a local business, and we get funding from a credit union, and the business folds. The people who are invest who have their money in the credit union still get their guaranteed interest rate. That's why credit unions are so much less likely to give out loans to speculative businesses. I'm fine with um, that. I'm fine with that as long as the people putting their money into those banks or into those those credit unions understand this 100%. Most people don't, and that's what I don't like. Is I don't like this this illusion that the bank is just a place where you can safely put your money. Uh, well, I mean, and we should make an episode about this, about why banks are dangerous because, you know, the Fed can just print more money when the bank loses and it just devalues our dollar. But so let's, let's, you know, let's push this conversation to, uh, and maybe give it a whole podcast because it's a very important discussion for people to understand that banks take wild risks with our money and only have to have about 10% of the actual money on hand. And if they go under, the Fed bails them out by just printing more money. And that's yeah. dangerous for all of us. So why don't we put that on, okay. on the list of uh, that's on the list. future conversations? That's what, that's what, that, that's what we say when <laughs> something is gone. Producer? Producer? Yeah. Somebody add right. to the list? <laughs> um, I want to talk about futurism because... Um, one of the scripts I recently, one of the pilots I recently wrote that I'm trying to get out there is uh, set 10 years into the future. So I, I find it really interesting and fun to imagine what will change 10 years from now. Because some people are like, oh, it's only 10 years away. But, you know, 20 years ago, we were still using answer machines. Some people were, you know, and, and now people are like, what the hell is an answer machine? Um, so, we're at a stage in our lives oh my where my, 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 uh, the, the my, mother, my mother-in-law will call and leave a voicemail and say, pick up, pick up, pick up. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. understanding so that it's, it's, like, it's not still, an answering machine. It's a voicemail. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had to that And a 20-year-old isn't going to know what she's talking about. Just literally. So, so, so I, had, I posted something. So I posted something on on the Facebook group that me and JJ are in. It's, it's probably it's a few hundred people. Um, and this is why JJ was on vacation, so he couldn't chime in and, and uh, come to my rescue. But I said, "Hey, is there anybody?" Because I had just uh, read about Mark Zuckerberg going on and talking about fake news, and and people asking why Alex Jones was allowed to post, you know, blatant propaganda on Facebook and not have it removed, but. You know, and 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 Mark Zuckerberg's reply was, "Well, I don't, because I'm Jewish, and I wouldn't pull down Nazi content unless it directly called for violence towards another human being, because I don't want to decide what's news and what's not." And some, and and you know, the idea that Alex Jones can go on there and say that, um, uh, what's the what's the high school or the the elementary school murder that happened massacre that happened 
five years ago, six, Sandy Hook. You know, Alice Jones can go on there and say Sandy Hook was a false flag operation with actors and no kids actually died when we, you know, every, like, I don't know, like who, why are people going to pretend their kids were killed? You know, why are people going to create death anyway, certificates so for children? What was children? Mark Zuckerberg saying? It's like, so he's saying like, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to decide what's, what's news and what isn't and what, what's, you know, conversation unless it directly assaults somebody. And so I, I threw out there on Facebook and said, Hey, is anybody actually working on a crypto platform for news to find out like, like, like a Wikipedia style thing that's tokenized to decide what's real and what's not? Cause you know, Wikipedia has editors and yeah. they decide okay, if it's real so- or not. So, so. You know, and and we f- and we find over time that something seems blatantly wrong, but then 15, 20 years down the road, we find out, oh, that was actually right, but people just didn't want to accept it yet. And we and we hear it all the time with science. People make a claim, and then it takes twenty years for enough people to to finally understand that it's that. Like global warming is a perfect example. Like you know, they've been talking about it since the seventies, and just now it's finally um, people are starting to see the side effects of it. So how do you? create some kind of system like that and two people just went you know really full steam saying that will never happen it cannot happen Wait, what it, exactly it fail miserably I, you lost me there for a second creating creating a creating a platform where um people could like a news platform or like an encyclopedia platform that was tokenized where people could vote and, and and maybe it, maybe it's not maybe it's not poss- plausible right now, but people could somehow vote and decide, you know, this is this is real or this did, like almost like a Snopes version so on they crypto. Would, they would vote um, at the time pe- of the event or any time. Or I'm not exactly sure. I understand how it works. I think I think I think any time. Like I I don't know. I just I just put it out there. It says is anybody doing a Wikipedia? Yeah, style there are. So there's uh, there's Everpedia. Um, um, which is yeah. which is the decentralized Wikipedia, and then and and then there's and um, there's one, and I don't know if this is just a shitcoin or or what, but there is CNN, which is Content Neutrality Network. I believe that they are that's an ERC twenty token that um, that that represents a that represents a news a decentralized news platform. I don't know exactly how it works. I've read about it a little bit, but only enough to throw yeah, it out there. I read about it a little bit too. C- civil, there's one called Civil, and it's about figuring out how to pay journalists, like actual journalists who go in there and uncover stories and stuff like that. So, th- you know, things are out there, but two people specifically said, one guy said like, look, I'm a coder and there's no way this can happen, blah, blah, and gave all these lists of reasons and and then proceeded to correct himself it's like well i could i i could see one i could see one thing and so i I laughed and i teased him about it and then you know we were joking around about it afterwards but my point was like we're at we're at a crossroads where imagine the people who invented the first computer i guarantee you they weren't thinking about vr or ar you know because in their mind a computer took up an entire building just to compute a few algorithms or you know a few math problems and so they couldn't possibly imagine virtual reality through a computer that you could have oh, on but your, there were in your those, hand there were those like stereo uh, stereo image things that you put up to your eyes that had like 3d images 
They weren't anything related to computers whatsoever, but, yeah, but the, they did know virtual reality <laughs> back then. What were those called? Stereoscopes? I think they were called stereoscopes. Yeah. <laughs> it was where they, when, yeah. when did when did the uh, um, when did the abacus meet the stereoscope in, in history? I guess that would have been the the, the, the oh, 1980s is when even, it happened, and we called it virtual reality. Now I know what you're saying, though. It's uh, there's no there's no way for us to know what the technology of the future is going to look like. There's just really no way. I mean, and and in fact, we're really bad at we're really bad at guessing. I I think we're. You, well, so, some people are really good, but what? But my point to the guy, my point to the guy was: look, I, I, you know, I've I've put an earworm in your head now, and now you'll probably be the one that solves this problem because that's how it works. And you know, and and I simply said, artists are usually the ones who envision the future, and scientists are inspired by it and make it a, and make it a reality. And that's most notable with Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek that he created. He wrote in the the telecommunication device and that inspired a scientist to go out and create yeah cell so phones. i i i agree so with, like this is yeah, like, I, I agree with that i i think that I, that's what i was going to say before you interrupted me it was uh it, it was that it was Shut that up. i actually think the people who are really who are good i mean like i said most people I, it's it's very it's almost impossible to 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 know what the technology of the future is is going to look like however Artists and storytellers are better at it than anyone. Uh, whether it's Star Trek exactly. or Asimov's The Foundation, or 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 whatever. Um, and and yeah, and I think that a lot of I mean I I don't think there's any question that most of what we think of as the future is going to come true because that's what so many scientists and so many technologists think that they have to do. Uh, that that's what they have to create. I mean, eventually we have to have a little device that we can. We can, you know, we can FaceTime somebody with like, even though, even though that yeah. seemed like something out of a, you know, science fiction cartoon when we were kids, it, that's the science so fiction I, cartoon. I try, to, happen. I try to remind people that there's no such thing as can't happen in science. There's just has happened or hasn't happened. So people are like, well, you know, light speed is impossible. It's physically impossible. Well, it's physically impossible under the certain constraints you have in your mind, but we don't know anything about wormholes yet. We don't know anything about hyperdrive. We don't know anything about folding space and time and reality. Like, there's all these things that, you know, we imagine what we can do right now with our limited technology. And yes, right now with our limited technology, light, sp- light, light speed is impossible. But that doesn't mean we're not going to figure out something 100 years from now or 20 years from now. Well, there could literally be a breakthrough next year. And then 30 years from now, we could have a ship in space testing out that hypothesis. It's pretty, That's how fast it's pretty hard to stuff happens. It's hard to conceive of, um, you know, like the idea of having light, light, light speed next year sounds absolutely ridiculous to me but at the same time you're right i i don't yeah i mean there, that's there how are... that's how breakthroughs happen that's how break the, breakthroughs don't happen in small increments breakthroughs happen like you know huge and, huge breakthroughs and well yes and no i mean i wh- one thing that i i love is the fact that so many amazing scientists like you know kip thorne or michio kaku a lot of these people have already created time travel and they've already created wormholes they're just missing that one little element you know they've already done the rest of the math and physics about it around it they just need that one sort of cosmic ether that holds the wormholes together you know that one thing 
or you know uh, Carl Sagan. That, that's that's what a lot of his science fiction was based on. All very realistic, yeah. all very realistic technology that just wasn't quite there yet. So the thing that inspired me to want to talk about it now is you know literally ten minutes later somebody posts on my personal feed and Facebook a, a short video of these fifteen year olds sitting around a table with a rotary phone on the table, and each each kid is just perplexed at what it is and how it works. And none of them, not a single one can figure out how to make it work properly. So the idea that when JJ and I probably used both as kids were rotary phones. And for 60, 70 years, that's what people used, the same exact rotary phone. And then one day, boom, major shift happens to the point where 25 years later, 30 years later, kids don't even know what a rotary phone is and how to use it. That's how fast technology is moving now in our lifetime. And it's happened with cell phones. It's happened with TV. It's happened with, I mean, you, like with aerospace, it's like you name it. That's how fast things happen. Like, you know, 10 years, it took them less than 10 years to, to put a man on the moon, if you believe that happened. So, so if why, they can so do what, that in 10 years. <laughs> so why so do you, why do you think that, why, why do you think that some people are so resistant to that? I mean, I know why I would be, but somebody who is, for instance, a, a computer programmer, why would somebody like that? What do you think makes them think immediately, no, that's not possible? What, why jump to that conclusion? Is it because of the unknown? Is it because of, is it because of uh, something they don't understand because they, they can't conceive of, of it themselves? I know that some people are probably so obsessive compulsive that they they won't believe in something unless they absolutely understand it. But that to me is, that's that's kind of ignorant to me. I think I think mainly it's that when you do this for a living, you have to think inside the box because someone says, here's a problem, I need you to fix it ne- by next week, this is your deadline, you're not going to get paid. And so people have to think inside box most of the time because you know you got you to pay your rent. And so you're not thinking about, well, maybe if I bend space and time, I can, you know, I can make this thing a real. It's like, no, like do that in your off time. But like uh-huh. right now I got to pay rent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't hold yeah. it against them. Yeah, so, but I remind people, yeah. like, don't stop dreaming just because your day job involves the technology that we're all excited about. Like don't allow your job to cut off your imagination or let others dream. Because if, if we're too afraid to talk yeah. about what seems Im- impossible or implausible, then we're just kind of just going through the motions and, and we're stuck with the r- rotary phone for the next hundred years. And who the, who the fuck wants that? It's like, come on. That guy in your yeah. Facebook group, that guy in your Facebook group should have just like smoked a joint and been like, dude, yeah, you should exactly. make that. <laughs> it's not possible, yeah, but dream big, for it. You know, dream big. Dream, dream, dream outside the box. Cure cancer. And, and so it. I think, and so I said that to them, and 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 the coder's response was, "Fuck, I really like you now. God damn it." <laughs> yeah, and so it was good because nice. I think he got reminded of like nice. how to how to dream like a kid again, and probably what got him excited about science and coding in the first place. It's easy to forget about it when it's your full time job. And so I don't hold it against him. I just I'm glad he was open to being being reminded of what how exciting and imaginative science can be, and math can be, and coding and blockchain, and like let's not limit ourselves. So that was I, I just thought is important to think about because it's it's 
important in blockchain because it's a new frontier and we need to be imaginative, but also just about life. You know, like stop and smell the roses, stop and enjoy things. Imagine, turn off your TV, turn off your, you know, shut down Facebook for a day and just allow your brain to wander and be imaginative again. So I think it's really kind of emulating where we are. Blockchain's emulating where we are as a society right now with technology where it's very difficult to unplug and we can't imagine anything outside of being connected. And so, go ahead. Yeah. And blockchain, I, you know, I think blockchain is a really good, uh, it's a really sort of good case study for this kind of thing because, all right, so, so the other day I was on Twitter and somebody posted a picture of some bags of coffee and it said, fully 100% blockchain traceable coffee. And a lot of the comments on that tweet were like, oh my God, are you serious? Come on, like blockchain coffee, like how far are you going to take this? This is, yeah. total, this is total crap. You know, basically a bunch of negative comments. And I was thinking, uh, the first thing I thought of, wait, isn't like, yeah. isn't, yeah, isn't like supply chain one, one of like the main uses for blockchain? <laughs> and it, like, and isn't it, wouldn't, I mean, like that's pretty awesome that you can actually trace this coffee on the blockchain. Yeah. I'm on, I'm using a blockchain. I think that's pretty amazing. Now, if you, you if you open your mind a little bit, and I think a lot of people in cryptocurrency, you know, whether you're a, just a trader or somebody who wants to get rich, you might not be thinking about this, but there is so much value in blockchain technology. There is so much exactly. use for it, and most of it we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, imagine if, I, uh, and I know that 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 one common sort of trope is, do you really need a blockchain for that? But imagine if everything actually does need a blockchain. In the future, if everything, imagine imagine what it would be like if, if you could find anything on the internet. Just imagine what that would be like. Oh wait, you already can find everything on the internet. And that's gonna wrap it up this week. You've been listening to Michael and the Bear. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just go ahead and search Michael and the Bear. You'll find us. We're on Patreon too, so look forward to seeing us on that platform. And until next week, Michael and the Bear.